Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The word of the Lord. Welcome, Fred. Good morning. Before I begin, I realized that there's a generational gap. Um, when Keith is up here, he's got an electronical gizmo. And when Beth was up here, she's got one of those things that's connected up there. I got paper. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Beth and for leading us into worship. It tenderizes our heart. And I want to thank the guys over here. Um, it just kind of woo you into this. It's just beautiful. Just beautiful. My name is Fred Atkins. I'm an elder at the church. Uh, I welcome you. If you're a visitor, thank you so much for visiting with us and blessing us with your presence. Um, let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word will bring us closer to Christ. And in that relationship, our minds will be renewed, our hearts softened, and our behavior changed. I confess that this message has been a challenge to live out personally. I welcome your Holy Spirit to fill us, to comfort, encourage, and give us hearts and minds that are more Christ-like. May others benefit from the fruit of the Spirit you give to each of us as we live our lives in community. Bless this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, change. And I was thinking about change, and I thought, why is it so hard to change? Why is it? I want to change. <laughs> and yet, I find it so challenging. And I thought, okay, so maybe these are some of the issues. Maybe there's shame in my life and shame in your life that we hide. We don't want to have it exposed. Maybe we find ourselves secure in where we are and just leave me alone. Maybe it's tradition. It's the way things have been done. Maybe you and I are selfish and we just don't want to. Maybe I don't want this Christianity stuff and maybe I want to worship somewhere else and have idolatry. Maybe my life works for me and hey, back up. I just don't want to. It's too much work, too much fear. It's too risky. This is the way I was brought up. It's my background. You know, I tried this, and it didn't work. And of course, we have warfare. The deceiver does not want us to change. So this is a time of New Year resolutions. So, um, 
I'm not into that group. And the reason I'm not into that group is one out of four people, 25%, break their resolutions in the first week. So why do it? I mean, I can break it. And, you know, we do resolutions because, New Year's resolutions because we want a better family life. Uh, young people want to meet the, the guy that they're going to marry, the girl that they're going to marry. Uh, you want children. You want your financial house in order. You want all sorts of good stuff. And one of the things is uh, lots of p- time people want to say, I'm going to lose weight. And one of the surveys I was looking at, over the fullness of the resolution, over time, 19 out of 20 people do not meet the resolution that I want to lose the weight I want to lose. They lose money, but not weight. (laughs) So that, uh, I'm a storyteller. So I'm going to share a story with you. And hopefully I can put it into context. So many, many, many years ago, I was a student down at New York University. And in those days, I did a lot of smoking, and some of it even was cigarettes. (laughs) I mean, nicotine got a hold of me. I smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. And if you do the math, that means that almost... What's all that old stuff? (laughs) Uh, that's one cigarette every 15 minutes. And at, t- at some point, I said to myself, you know, this can't be that good. And I would quit for, a, for an hour or two. And I got to tell you that when I quit for that hour or two, I really thought, all right, self-control, I'm doing good. <laughs> one day, my dad went to the hospital. And he had cancer of the throat. And the day of his operation, he told me, last night I dreamed that I was singing in the chorus of his company. And when he was finished with that operation, they took everything out and they left a hole here in his throat. And he never spoke again normally. And I'm visiting in the hospital, and then I saw something that amazed me opened up a pack of cigarettes, took out a non-filtered cigarette and lit it up and smoked it. My dad smoked, my mom smoked, neighbors smoked, everybody smoked. And I looked at that and something switched. I went from three packs a day to no cigarettes ever again in my life. And that's a good change. God wants us to change. But he wants us not only the behavior change, he wants the internal change. If somebody is, has an issue with alcohol, which I came from a family of alcoholics, and they stop drinking, that's a good thing. But if there's not an internal change in that person, we used to call that person a dry drunk, and you did not want to be around that person because the behavior, good, not drinking, But internally, that person was as obnoxious and you just didn't want to be around them. You see, God is challenging us to have internal changes that will be demonstrated externally. 
This topic was uh, influenced by a book that I was reading called uh, How People Change by Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp. And it's a fabulous book, and I highly recommend it. I'm going to tell you the takeaways right from the, right from the get-go, what this is about. There are three foundations that I'm going to share with you for your consideration. You think about it. For change. The first one is, what is your concept, my concept of eternity? Do you ever think about it? What is your faith in the promises of God and respect that when this life ends, there's something else? And is that belief in any way influencing you with your time, your treasures, and your talent. The second takeaway is when we're living this life, when you know I go out there this afternoon and we all go to where we're going and we just live life, who is walking with you? How real is Jesus Christ in everyday living to you and to me? How real is he? And the third foundation for change is us. That these things of change occur or demonstrated in the body of Christ and other people who we deal with. So the three foundational things are eternity, walking with Christ, and us, the body of believers. I want to read Philippians 1.6. And I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, so something starting with us, will continue his work until it is finally finished. To me, that implies change after change after change after change. On that day when Christ Jesus comes back again, he's coming back. He's either coming back when we die, and then there we are, or... If this is the generation that he decides to come back, we'll all see him all at the same time. I have a story. So Mike Whalen, a guy that used to be in this church, and I hung out with him a great deal. Mike and I had a lot of coffee together. And Mike said to me at one point, you know, Fred, I don't like the way this world's going. It's looking a little weird. It's turmoil. It's chaos. It's dangerous. I don't like it, and I'm going to do something about it. And when Mike says stuff like that, you've got to buy into it because he's a 20-year Navy guy, and he's an ex-Navy SEAL who is a war hero in Nam. And when he says something, you put your money on it. And he says, I'm going to go buy some property in Pennsylvania, and I'm going to build a family compound. For my five daughters, their spouses, my 20-plus grandchildren, and my wife. And I'm thinking, uh, room for two more? <laughs> me and my honey? <laughs> and it made sense to me. I bought into it. So several months later, Mike and I, again, having coffee, and he says to me, Fred, I'm not buying land. What? And I'm not building the family compound. I thought, my bags are packed. What are you kidding me? (laughs) And he said something that demonstrated this faith of God's promises in eternity. He said to me, Fred, I'm a Christian. 
My five daughters are Christian. Their spouses are Christian. My 20 plus grandchildren are Christian. My wife is Christian. I am not going to devote my time, talent, and treasures into that because the worst that could happen, which is the best that could happen, is we're all going to heaven together. I looked at him like he had two heads. And then I realized that's faith. That's faith in the word. So what is your faith in the promises of God in regards to eternity? John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. When things are good, you're going to have trouble. When things are not, it's just trouble. But take heart. You see, this is an issue of heart. It's not an issue I'm going to change this stuff so that it can be good. It's an issue of where our hearts are. And he says to us, take heart. Where? In him. I have overcome the world. It's an issue of our hearts and where we truly trust and obey. Second foundational concept. Who is the center of your life and my life? Colossians 1, 19 through 21. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and by him God reconciled everything to himself. Everything is reconciled because of Jesus. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of his blood on the cross. And when you and I give our lives over to Christ, we are reconciled. He has made it happen. It's done. It's a covenant relationship with a bride of Christ. So what do we bring into this relationship? We bring in sin. He brings in forgiveness. We bring in some weird thinking. Bible calls it foolishness. He brings in wisdom. We bring in all the addictions and enslavements and things that we worship at. And he brings us freedom. We bring in debt. And he says, I paid your debt on the cross. When I got married with Susie, I was a relatively new Christian. And so when we got married, what was hers become ours and what is mine become ours. She brings in assets and I brought in a mound of financial debt. Because before I was a Christian, I was a hedonistic atheist. And I used a credit card like a slot machine. (laughs) And when Susie and I got together and I realized that this debt was there, I didn't respond to it by the grace of God because I wanted better credit. I responded to it again by the grace of God because I wanted to honor Christ in this project. So I hunted down my debtors, people that I was, my creditors, the people that I was in debt to. 
And in a relatively short period of time, that mountain that I thought, are you kidding me? My knee shook when I made those phone calls. Decreased and decreased and vanished. Because of the relationship we have with Jesus. The third foundational concept. It's a community project. It's us. I'd like to read from Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? In other words, your relationship to Jesus is to put courage into you. And do we take that courage and share it with others? Do we encourage each other? Is there any comfort from his love? When we are troubled and things are just out of hand and we go to him and say, I can't, I can't, it's too much. And somehow through his spirit and his word, we are comforted. Do we comfort others? Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Can you imagine that if we don't quench God's spirit and we humble ourselves before the cross and we allow God's spirit to come and rise in us, Because the fruit that the Spirit gives us is love and joy and peace and patience, goodness and kindness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Can you imagine the fellowship as the sp- we have in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender? Oh, man. My heart gets hard so oh. Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. It doesn't mean that we don't have conversations. It doesn't mean we don't have disagreements. It doesn't mean that we don't have fierce conversations, in fact. It does mean that our hearts are aligned with Christ. And your heart is aligned with Christ. And her heart is aligned with Christ. And we agree wholeheartedly that we want to honor God. And Jesus, and then we look at one another and we deal with it. That's the heart, wholeheartedly, between you and your maker, between me and my maker, and it demonstrates itself in community. Loving one another and working together with, again, one heart and purpose. Story. So. It's Mike again, (laughs) the same Mike. And this is the beginning of our relationship. And Mike comes over to me at one point and says, we got to have breakfast. And I thought to myself, "Uh, no, we don't. My wife has been pushing me, I don't know, forever. Get get, Get connected to the guys, get involved with the guys, do stuff with the guys. Okay, okay, not that much. Mike saw that reluctance, I think, in my eyes. And what he said to me was, I'll come to Astoria. He lived over here on 68th Street. I'll come to Astoria, take the N and the Q. We'll have breakfast. So he comes out for breakfast. And it's uh, eggs and uh, hash browns. I like the toast, uh, butter on the side. And yes, I'd like to have a little more coffee. And we just sat there and had breakfast. Okay. All right, I can do that. And he came out to me, so that was good. A couple of weeks later, Mark shows up. All right, now, because Mark lived in the story, now there's three of us. 
In a little bit while, uh, Keith, not Keith Boyd, but another Keith came, and he joined us. So there's four of us. And all of a sudden, I took a step back and I said, whoa, what's going down here? (laughs) Because Mike is a Navy SEAL. Mark is a ranger. Keith is airborne. And I was encouraged by the draft to spend two years, 10 months, and 28 days in the military. But who's counting? And all of a sudden I said, it's military guys. And then Drew showed up. I looked at Drew, not being judgmental, and I thought, no way, military. Because he looked a little uh, pudgy to me, you know? A little doughboyish. I thought, nah, not military. So much for my discernment because Drew turned out to be a Marine officer, platoon leader in the bush in Vietnam. So there's five of us. And I thought, what's going on here? You see, it's community. And the military tells you it's community. You don't do it by yourself. Mike was thrown in the drink, connected to another guy. No way to break that connection. Either you both come out alive Or you both don't, but it's not somebody gets saved and somebody doesn't. Jesus sent them out two at a time. He started the small group for three years in community. We need each other. So we have three concepts. Vision of eternity, relationship with Christ, Belonging to the body of Christ. So how do we change? What does that look like? How does that, what is that? Beth read that scripture. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. It's a relationship with Christ. Who do you trust? Who do I trust? Who do we have hope in? But our risen Lord. They are like trees planted near the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. How do your roots or my roots go deep into this relationship with Christ? How deep is that connection for you with Jesus and for me with Jesus so that we go deep, deep, deep into that? And what does Jesus promise us? Living water. Living water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Stuff happens in life. Stuff happens. Some of it is really horrific. Some of it is great, but stuff happens. And no matter what heat we have or what issues we have or what troubles we have, if our roots are deeply, deeply centered into Jesus we will still have leaves that are green and we will produce fruit. You see, we need to live a life of integrity aligned with God's word. Think about this alignment. This is Paul speaking to us in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. 
Talk about deep roots and identity. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He made the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. In military language, if somebody gives their life for their fellow soldiers, they give them the Congressional Medal of Honor. And our Lord has done much, much more than that. Do we pray a really tough prayer, thy will be done? You see, behavior change, sure. Thinking change, sure. But this is a worship alignment. This is an internal change in each one of us to line ourselves up with the risen Lord and to worship him. You see, it's the privacy of the heart. Samuel 16, 7. Samuel needs to anoint the new king. I read, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance. Don't we all? Don't we all? I know I do. God forgive me. God have mercy on me. But the Lord looks at what? The heart. And for us, is our heart aligned with that of Jesus? Again, the primacy of the heart is revealed in Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And he's searching it and wants to know, will you trust me with the most precious that you have, your heart? Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. We get tested in community. I'm, it's messy. I'm difficult at times. I'm, oh man. <laughs> we get tested with one another. Are you kidding? Whoa. He says, test me. Why? Because my heart will be revealed in that test. And then, Lord, help me in this. You see, we don't want to have dry, drunk behavior. We don't want to have this Sunday look and not the change of our heart internally. God does not want us to be dry drunks. He wants to be celebratory participants. Whose kingdom? My kingdom or God's kingdom? Your kingdom or God's kingdom? You see, now we call for mercy and grace. We come boldly to the throne of grace and ask, oh, God, give me mercy because we know how easily we fall. Allow God's grace by the work of the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit in you. Wow. Love and joy, peace and patience. Wow. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. Revival. We need personal integrity. We need to be committed to self understanding and seeking godly help in community. We need grace to be forgiving and asking for forgiveness. 
and responding to others' sin by grace and truth. God's grace gives us purpose and we can speak the truth and serve others. So let's wrap this up. First foundation for change is eternity. Christ says in John 14, 2, don't be troubled. Oh, Lord, there's so much trouble. Don't be troubled. Are your roots deep within me? Don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Eternity. If this was not so, I would tell you plainly, when everything is ready, I will come and get you, either at the end of your life or he will appear before the entire world so that you will always be with me where I am. Second foundation, our relationship with Jesus. This walk with this personal God. I read from Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Then Jesus said, he's saying this to us today so we can have these changes that we talk about. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. We are weary and there are burdens, even in the best of times. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. How intimate is that? Let me teach you. And then Jesus says, because I'm humble and gentle. Humble and gentle and yoke up. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly and the burden I give you is light. How intimate that is. He calls us and woos us to walk alongside with him. And the third, community. I quote Romans 12, 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We, everyone here, you and me, are all parts of his one body and each of us has different work to do. You have purpose. You have something to do as part of this body of Christ. Some of us may be in the front. Some of us may be in the back. It makes no difference. We are all needed. And since we are all one in Christ, we belong to each other. In the messiness. Stand with the roots deep into Christ and we can deal with all the stuff that happens between us. We belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. How Clearly, does God need to make it that you and the body of Christ are inseparable? Let's pray. Lord, help us to fix our hearts on you. You have promised a place where there are no more tears, no more pain. And there will be rejoicing and wonder in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that in this life, we have you to lean on and your Holy Spirit to guide us. Thank you, Lord, for one another that we, in community, 
may glorify God, become more like Christ, and say, serve one another. And in doing so, we become more obedient, more trusting disciples of Jesus Christ, growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Amen. But before, before I end, I think this challenge of change is so tough that my wife and I would like to walk with you in this journey. Um, a month from now, January 27th, on Monday evenings, we will have a class that we will work together in the process of becoming more Christ-like. Amen. You preached a little shorter than they're used to upstairs.